Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get started in just a second. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Welcome, everybody. Eddie Trunk here with you, and it's time for another edition of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, which is new every Thursday via podcastone.com and iTunes. Thank you for downloading, streaming, subscribing, favoriting, all the things that you do to a podcast. Thank you for doing so, and good to be with you guys for another week. Remember, my social media outlets are eddietrunk.com. That is my official online home. You know, you guys are probably, I think most people are aware, but People seem to know me for different reasons from different things, but this is the 35th year that I have done a terrestrial, also known as FM radio, radio show. And it's really where everything started for me 35 years ago, right out of high school. And the show around the country is known as Eddie Trunk Rocks. It is in a three-hour-a-week, predominantly music-driven, hard rock and metal show. Like I said, it's the roots of everything that I've done. And it's on about 30 radio stations across America. And I appreciate each and every one of those stations that run it. I wish it was on more, but I'm appreciative of what I have. The world of FM radio is so unbelievably constricted and restricted that it's very hard for many of them to do things outside of the box. But there are other ways to hear it. Now, if you get the radio show in your market and you listen to it, thank you. But if you don't, There are other ways you can hear it. And one of the best ways to do that is by becoming a member of my website. Because members of my website get to hear that radio show on demand. And I know a lot of people sometimes hear me talk about that show or hear the news that that show may have made. And they wonder, hey, you know, I don't get that in my market or it's on at a time I can't listen to it. How do I hear it? Well, I'll tell you what. It's like I think it's 30 bucks a year, a year to become a member of my website. And you get that show on demand to listen to whenever you want, amongst some other perks. Signed photo, some bumper stickers, some other exclusive audio. So check it out when you get a chance. I never talk about that. I spend a lot of time, of course, talking about my Sirius XM show because that's what I do full time. And I do six shows a week for satellite radio. But there is that FM show. And it's on great stations like AAF in Boston and Q1043 in New York and The Hog in Milwaukee and Modern Kansas City, and some really great stations, don't get me wrong. But there are a lot of people that the time doesn't work for them or they're not around to listen at the time it airs, and we are in an on-demand world. So because of that, I figured I'd give it a little mention, and I've seen a nice spike in people signing up for subscriptions to my website, so I make you aware of that 
If you go to eddytrunk.com, you hit membership, you can sign up, you'll get a couple bumper stickers, you'll get a signed photo. Some people would charge 30 bucks just for that. And you'll get a bunch of exclusive audio, including on-demand listening to my weekly FM radio show. So appreciate you guys doing so, and uh, well, thank you to all the members, and thank anybody who might sign up to become a member. And as I mentioned, the uh, the daily radio show, which is on Sirius XM, which unlike the FM show I just mentioned, is an all-talk show and music interview show, that, of course, is on Sirius XM 106 volume. That airs Monday through Friday live, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time. It replays every night, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern, and that is on demand as well for SiriusXM subscribers on the app. And many of the interviews, as I often say, that you hear on the podcast originated on that radio show. So if you're hearing people call into it and stuff like that during the podcast, that's because that originated as a live radio show. So get on board with us at SiriusXM. Listen to Volume, which is the channel I'm on every day. Channel 106, Trunk Nation is that show. And I do a sixth show from time to time when my schedule permits, which is most Mondays, on their music channel, Hair Nation, as well. So there's a lot of stuff being generated each week. The FM show, six satellite shows, and, of course, this podcast, however you listen, wherever you listen to any of that stuff. Thank you for doing so. And every single show that I do is available in some capacity on demand if you want. I just mentioned the FM show from members of my site. Satellite radio, of course, that is all on demand as well on the app. And, of course, this podcast, that's the nature of podcasts, is on demand Whenever you'd like to grab it at podcastone.com or iTunes. A few things to tell you about at the top of the show before we get to our feature interview this week. There is uh, a bunch of new appearances now that we are getting into 2018. This being, what, the third week of 2018? Second week? Two and a half weeks? Something like that into it? So some new things to tell you about as far as appearances as my schedule starts to really, really fill in here. And that includes this coming Saturday, I will be at the Atlanta Kiss Expo. And this is exciting because I can tell you now that if you are a Kiss fan, you know the big news about this expo is that Vinnie Vincent is expected to come out of hiding for the first time in over like 30 years to make an appearance and speak and do a Q&A at this expo. I'm thrilled to tell you that speaking of my Sirius XM show on volume, I will be broadcasting it live from the Expo on Friday, which would be tomorrow for those that listen to this on post day. Usual 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time slot with the replay 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern. And I have the word that Vinnie Vincent will indeed join me for an exclusive interview. Not going to have a ton of time with him because he's going to be in the middle of doing a meet and greet. But we are I am thrilled, and I'm sure a lot of fans are as well that listen to me, that we will have Vinnie Vincent from the Kiss Expo in Atlanta live on the radio on Sirius XM Friday, the 19th of January, Channel 106, between 2 and 4 p.m. Eastern time. If you're at the Expo or headed to the Expo, maybe I'll see you there. I'll be there on Saturday. I'm doing a Q&A at 1.30 for an hour with the audience, and I'll be hanging around, signing, taking pictures, and doing all that sort of stuff as well. So look for me if you're attending. If you're not and you want to hear Vinnie Vincent, be sure to listen Friday, January 19th, to my show from Atlanta with Vinnie Vincent. Other stuff happening includes January 24th. I'll be at the NAM show. I'll be broadcasting my radio show on uh, volume from there as well. 
and also on the 24th hosting the Hall of Heavy Metal History Awards at the Wyndham Anaheim. Also, I'll be hosting Ronnie Montrose Remembered, Santa Ana, California, at the Observatory, January 27th. Bunch of great artists getting together to pay tribute to the late Ronnie Montrose. And uh, also, we've got some cruises coming up. Cruise to the Edge, Brilliance of the Seas, covering Prague, February 3rd. Navigator of the Seas, I'll be on board February 11th for the Monsters of Rock cruise. On all the cruises, I'll be broadcasting the volume show live every day. You guys on our, if you guys like rock interviews, rock, rock talk, rock opinion, guests, and you're not getting the volume show daily, well, listen to what I just ran down. <laughs> Broadcast from two cruises, broadcasts from Los Angeles and the NAM show. Broadcast from Atlanta with Vinnie Vincent. I mean, look what we're doing there. Hope you join me on the volume show if you are not already. Other stuff just announced. Excited to be going back to Tulsa. Always fun to go to Tulsa. Great times there. March 3rd, I'm back at the IDL Ballroom hosting Slaughter. Get your tickets now at Stubwire. Rocklahoma, speaking of the Tulsa area coming up, May 25, 26, and 27. And I'm going to be back hosting M3 again in Columbia, Maryland. Information on that soon. And I can tell you that a uh, little scary thing here at, that happened at the Meriwether Post Pavilion in Maryland where M3 takes place. The roof came down, but thankfully nobody was there. They were working on the facility, so I'm sure they had safety protocols in place. But still scary stuff. Not a thing that was expected to happen. Uh, they are expected to have that corrected, and hopefully M3 to go off as scheduled. It has not been formally announced, M3, but it is happening. I will be on board to host it, and I'll give you more information on that once it's announced. You guys see this video? I, I tell you, it's been really annoying me, speaking of KISS, making the rounds, and I tweeted this video of, uh, of, of first Paul Stanley starting in on an interviewer and telling him he had to remove his shirt or change his shirt because he was wearing an Iron Maiden shirt. It is bothersome to me on so many levels, I wouldn't even know where to begin. And it really is, unfortunately, a peek into the mind of Paul Stanley and how he thinks and how he... <laughs> I mean, this is this is a guy, well, I don't know. Anything that I say, people are just going to say, oh, I'm piling on or I have issues or this or that with him. I mean, no. <laughs> I'm not the guy with issues if you look at that video and what happened and how humiliated that 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 kid was. I mean, that was just unbelievable. And I'll tell you what. Here's what I'm going to say about it, and I'll say more on the radio show, but I'll tell you what. I hosted a TV show, co-hosted a TV show for years, as you know, that metal show, where all we wore were other bands' T-shirts while we interviewed bands. All three of us, myself, Don, and Jim, for about 14 seasons, we had major bands on that show. Not once did anybody ever say anything about us wearing another band's T-shirt. I mean, it is it, it is a peek inside the mind of somebody who's out there, man. I mean, it's really bizarre, that whole scenario and that whole exchange. And no, it wasn't just fun. There was a deeper thing going on. They didn't let it go. Very, very bizarre. But uh, that's a, it's a little peek into the world of ego and control and sensitivity that is uh, 
unfortunately, a staple uh, with those with those guys, especially him. Just crazy. Anyway, I wanted to mention that because it was just got on my radar over the last week and really got under my skin. I feel bad for that kid having to be humiliated like that, take a shirt off, turn it inside out. I mean, you got to be kidding me. You got to be kidding me. So I uh, wanted to throw that out there today uh, or on this this week's podcast. Um, all right, let's get into it. There's a lot about so much other stuff going on. Again, please keep an eye on the social media. Twitter at Eddie Trunk. So much going on in the next month or two. Getting right into it in the new year. Read the blog, the Trunk Report on my website. And I, I appreciate you guys connecting and listening to the show. So the interview I have for you this week is uh, about a week old. And it comes from, like all my interviews, or just about all of them, from my show on volume. Rick Allen of Def Leppard dropped by. And this was really a, a fun interview because Rick got into talking about some stuff he never really talked about before. And I know that because during one of the commercial breaks that we had during the interview, he said to me, he goes, you know, that was really great because I talked about some stuff I never talked about, mainly things about his life before joining Def Leppard. And it's pretty revealing. I mean, he was playing drums at 12 or something like that. And as you're about to hear, he was almost done with the music industry by 14. <laughs> so it's... uh. It's a pretty interesting interview. It was done around some art gallery openings that Rick was doing. He's doing some painting. Def Leppard on the cusp of in, of uh, announcing a another major summer tour with another major band, which will be announced very soon. It's not pretty poorly kept secret, but <laughs> I'll I'll stay with the secret until it's officially announced. And it was great to have Rick in. It really was. And it was great to talk to him about his art the charitable aspects, him playing drums with one, one arm all these years, how Def Leppard stood behind him after he lost an arm, and his early, early years before joining Def Leppard and auditioning for the band at like 15 years old. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy this. Great story. Rick Allen is inspirational to say the least. And uh, almost an hour conversation with him you're about to hear. That's coming up on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. Rick Allen of Def Leppard. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey, I got some useful tips for your car that you might not be aware of. For instance, a coffee filter and a little bit of olive oil can clean your interior. And I never knew that. Removing excess weight from your car, that'll improve your gas mileage. That I kind of knew. And you can place your key fob to your chin to increase its range. That I did not know. Weird stuff, right? Well, here's another tip you also might not know about. True Car also helps people get used cars. That's right. True Car isn't just for buying new cars. With their certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars, you'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience, whether you buy new or used. And with TrueCar, users can see what others paid so they know if they're getting a good deal before buying. And they're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with TrueCar certified dealers. Now, when you're ready to buy a new or used car, be sure to check out TrueCar and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. 
Hi, this is Dennis Miller, and I want to invite you to listen to my new podcast, Red Circle Sports, right here on Podcast One. I'll be recapping the weekend's most exciting sports stories, and I'll bring them to you every Tuesday. Plus, hear me chat with some of my favorite sports industry guests like Rich Eisen. So be sure to subscribe to Red Circle Sports with me, Dennis Miller, on the Podcast One app at podcastone.com or on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to rate, review, and share. Be there or be square. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. All right, as promised, this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast, my guest is guest, I should say, is Rick Allen of Def Leppard. Revealing interview. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. Settle in and check it out. Good to see you, man. Good to see you too. Nice surprise. Yeah, wonderful to see you. Yeah, I've, uh, I see you making the rounds. I saw you a clip you tweeted out on CNBC. CNBC? Yes, doing yeah. uh, that's business stuff, right? No, it was, it was really cool. Yeah. You know, because you know I've got the artwork on the go, and it's uh, you know they they kind of wanted to to see it from that perspective, from a business perspective. Yeah, so, I saw they immediately. I watched the clip. I saw they hit you with the streaming stuff. How come it's not on Spotify? The Def Leppard music, but yeah, but you know, I, um, I mean, I, I don't know if we've even got any kind of agreement, you know, with with our record company. So I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's even going to go up. See, I'm a guy, and of course, we're going to talk about your art. And Rick has a couple gallery shows right off the, off the bat. We'll make sure we remind everybody if you're in New Jersey. At the uh, at the Short Hills Mall, not far at all from where I've been, uh, I live, and I've been to the gallery many times. Wentworth Galleries, you're doing this with. Yeah. Tomorrow, five to eight at the Short Hills Mall at the Wentworth Gallery, and then on Sunday, you can see Rick's art at uh, King of Prussia Mall. Yeah. And that's one to one till four, I think. One till four, just outside yeah. of Philly, yeah. and they're both at Wentworth Galleries. I'm going to talk more about your art and all that, but but real quick, you know, me, I'm you know I'm an old school guy. I don't even like process the. Why isn't Def Leppard on streaming thing? Because I still love getting a CD. No, it's, it's great. <laughs> I love and that, packaging and I know. all the stuff that comes with it. So when I hear people commiserate about, well, you're not on streaming, you're not on this, I'm like, just go get the CD, man, and rip it in your iPhone if you want. No, I mean, back in the day, I used to learn everything that I knew about the band from, you know, vinyl. And it was great. I'd, I'd get this this big piece of artwork. Yeah. And some of the, you know, some of the, the, the record covers were just fantastic and so informative, especially if it was, you know, a band that, you know, I was new to. So I could go through and I'd read the thing cover to cover. You know, these days people tend to, you know, make up their own playlists. I was all about getting as deep into the record Absolutely. as I could. The you know? sequence, the yeah. smell of opening it. When I, people, you know, I did that segment, you were on that metal show and that whole Stump the Trunk thing that I did, which became so popular. Yeah. And people used to ask me all the time, how do you know all this stuff? It's because when I got a record, I took the whole thing in. I would read the liner notes. I would look at who mixed it, who mastered it, who produced it. I'd read the thank yous. I'd read the songwriting credits. Right. And I just feel that that's, thankfully, because vinyls come back a little bit, but I feel that that's a big thing missing from the way people take in music now. They don't get that deeper connection to it. I, I, I agree. And, uh, you know, me and Joe, we have this conversation. And he was the same. He'd, you know, he'd read, he'd read album covers from, you know, cover to cover, literally. Yeah. And then use it as reference. You know, go back and, you know, who, you know, who mixed it, who produced it, you know, the musicians uh, who wrote the songs, you know. And as you say, uh, p- people... 
tend to skip over that these days. And it's, it, you know, the experience isn't as rich, you know, in terms of how you, how you take the music in. Yeah. So, you know. I think it's coming back a little bit, though. I think people are enjoying that aspect of it, although it certainly seems like we're going down a, a streaming world as the next phase of things. So I know we'll see where it all turns out. Let's talk about your art and what you're doing, and we'll, we'll talk about some other stuff and music and Def Leppard stuff and maybe grab a few calls from the audience as well. But uh, you've been painting for how long now? Um, actually, I discovered painting before I really discovered music, um, you know, not trained or anything but i always i always felt a certain connection you know i get more paint on me when i was a kid than than anywhere else but um you talking like just watercolor as a, stuff yeah as a, as a kid even before you started playing drums oh yeah, yeah really because you, you first f leopard album you're like 16 right um exactly yeah I so was. you're talking discovering painting even earlier than that just just being a kid just being in you know what what we would call infant school and, uh, you know, like I say, I'd get paint on me. I'd get it all over the other kids. It was great. But it was it was, it was, was a very freeing sort of uh, sensation. I really, you know, I'd, I'd get into it. I'd really experience it. And then, you know, around about 9 or 10, um, discovered drums. My father, he had the most extensive record collection and kind of introduced me to all this, all this different music from big band to you know popular music it was it was it was it was really cool and then let me know, just stop you there real quick though what made you gravitate towards drums of all the music you took in as a kid why was it drums as opposed to any other instrument was there something was there a drummer you heard that your dad turned you on to well um it was actually my brother my brother brought he brought um made in uh, um it was he brought uh, deep purple um, made in Japan. Made in Japan. Right. And when I heard Ian Pace for the first time, I was hooked. And then here's the other thing. We only had one tennis racket at home. And my brother was older than me, so he always got the tennis racket. He got whenever the air guitar? He got the air guitar. <laughs> so, I <can't, laughs> so I missed out, you know. So I was always the air drummer. And Ian Pace was your guy initially, right? He was. To and this day, so underrated, I think, especially he, in America. He's insane. Um, we actually, um, I got to meet him when uh, Gary Moore opened up for us. Uh, and I think that must have been, that must have been around 80, 83 or so. That would have been like around the time that Gary was doing Victims of the Future or Corridors of Power. So, yeah. And uh, I remember meeting Ian Pace up in, uh, we were up in Quebec and uh, he came up to me at the bar and he said, do you know who I used to be? <laughs> and I said, dude, I did probably didn't say dude at the time. Right. I've been living in California too long. But I'm like, I'm like, Ian, you are so out of your mind. I said, you are just one of one of my biggest influences ever, yeah. you know. And he, he's, he was just this really humble yeah. and is this really humble guy, but immensely talented. He was just here. I just interviewed him. We just had Deep Purple here for the uh, for their latest record, and the only guy that's been in every single version of Deep Purple. That's great, man. It's crazy. Hey, and, and 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 drummers, as you know, because it's physical. Uh-huh. A lot of them, when they get to around Ian's age, they can't hit as hard. They've got aches and pains. They can't play as well. The guy is still. 
I know. got that pocket and just yeah, crushes it, I know. man. I know. It's he's, crazy. He's, he's great. Yeah, so so Deep Purple really set me on that, on that path. You know, before that, I'd been listening to Big Band, and it was kind of an accident, really, getting in into Def Leppard. Because, you know, at the ripe old age of 14, I decided to give up, you know, the business, you know, being, being a drummer. Because I was fed up of, of bands around uh, my local area, around Sheffield. How Just, many bands did you have at, by that point? Probably, I was probably in about three or four bands at that point. At, um, wow, so you're uh, talking like from like 12 to 14? Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Exactly. I know, I know. And uh, here was the... Here <laughs> was just, over the business at 16. No, I know. I'm out. No, no, <laughs> at 14, at 14. And uh, yeah, I was, I was fed up of it. And I remember tossing a couple of cymbals down the steps outside and getting all you know, just really annoyed and really frustrated because all the bands that I've been playing with, all they were interested in was cover songs. And um, my parents pointed out this article in the newspaper that said Leopard Loses Skins. And it was the local Sheffield star. And um, um, within minutes, they, you know, we got on the phone, spoke to Joe. A couple of days later, met up with Joe and Steve at a local club and uh you know got together with them realized we'd been to every single concert probably rubbed shoulders and not known it and uh went and did the audition uh, the original drummer came back wanted his uh, job back um another guy came anyway i decided to go last so i'd learn the parts really well and then when i played um i obviously did something right because they said uh, we'd like you to come back how long were you aware of Def Leppard before? Because they they did exist before you, but hadn't released a record. But were you aware of the band? Yeah, it, it had was, you seen them before it, it, you? No, I, I hadn't seen them. But it was a local name that was that was unusual, and it was it was it was strong, you know. So um, yeah, I I was aware of them, but then when I got to meet them, that's when it all kind of made sense, and I even I even recognized uh, their faces. From just going to the same concerts, so it was you know it was, me- it was point, meant meant to happen. And at that point, the uh, it was it was Steve and Pete Willis. That's right. And 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 obviously Sav and, and Joe. And then and then you do you remember what you played in the audition? Um, I remember playing "Get Your Rocks Off." Um, um, that's yeah. I, I remember playing "Get Your Rocks Off." Um, was anything like wasted or anything? like Yes, that we done? did wasted as well. It, it was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Is there audio of it? Did they film it or I hope it? so. I hope so. That would be awesome to no, see. No, back then, though, that was that was like 1978. It was yeah. very low tech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? How long after you joined Leopard did you get the did the band get the record deal then and record the first record? Like, how long were you in for at that point? Well, it had to have been when I was still pretty young because um, my my parents had to sign the record deal for me. So because I wasn't legally old enough. Right. <laughs> I was still, you know, just, just about out of diapers, you know. Your parents supportive of you with music? Incredibly supportive. So um, they weren't worried signing their son over to this band called Def Leppard? To- n- no, they saw it as an opportunity. And they'd obviously figured out, they didn't tell me, but they'd obviously figured out that Rick wasn't going to be a brain surgeon. <laughs> but he can count to four. <laughs> so... So that was that was that was pretty much uh, that was pretty much it. But they were extremely supportive. You know, the school was saying he's got to stay on and you know get his qualifications. And and my mother, she was just like, he's going to miss the opportunity. 
you know wow and, and we 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 see we see that he's got a natural talent a natural flair for playing drums so we're going to decide they decided to take me out of school i got a i got a private tutor and um yeah the so rest, on the first the Def is, Leppard tour, were you being tutored? Um, first Def Leppard tour. Well, we were still we were still doing gigs around town, and then we ended up doing the uh, the Sammy Hagar. We opened up for Sammy Hagar, and then by my sixteenth birthday, on my sixteenth birthday, we were opening up for ACDC at the Hammersmith Odeon. Jeez. <laughs> that was that was just. I mean. It, now, was that anybody's back in black? Dream. Was that with Brian or Bond? No, that was with Bond. With Bond. So was, the last was, run was, with that Bond. That was Highway to Hell. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I got back a ways. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, but you were still so young that you're I still, know. you know, relatively young to to be able to remember it and still enjoy it and still be able to be doing it. And I still look so young, don't you I? You do. <laughs> you do, man. You do. <laughs> Rock and roll keeps you young. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I keep telling myself that, too. I've been in the business a long time. <laughs> We're about the same age, man. That's um, cool. Circling back to the art stuff, though. So you're doing, you're painting even back then. When you become a musician and you get into a band and a touring band, does the painting and the interest in that have to take a back seat because now you're all in on music? Or did you keep doing it on the road? Um, uh, photography became my thing. And, oh, really? Uh, yeah. For, photography just really became my thing. Always had a camera. Uh, bought the first digital camera. Um, you know, and it was there were tiny little files. You know, you zoom in and you, they'd start pixelating immediately. What you know year? What, I mean? what year was the first digital camera? Oof, that's a good question. Probably nineties, right? Yeah, but I I remember it being some sort of uh, Olympus sort of a uh, uh, camera, and it was uh, it, it was you know for me it was great. It was fantastic. Um, I remember taking pictures of everything. And these days, you know, I blow those things up, and they're just the, the files are so small, you know, but. The camera became my friend, and uh, to this day, you know, in my bag right now, I've got a point and shoot. I've always got a camera with me, you know, and uh, I think that's the key is just having that. It's it's a friend, you know. It's it's um, you know, I can go out, go out into nature, go out into the city, wherever I am in the world, just go and take pictures, and it normally sparks some sort of inspiration for an art piece mm. you know so so that's kind of that's kind of how how i start things off i would imagine taking photographs with a real camera like that is a bit of a challenge with one arm uh to that's, hold the focus and be able to hold the camera because everybody that holds a, a camera they're right. always bracing it with one hand and so how did you work around that did it take some time that's why i use the point and shoot and i think in a way um i I loved um, just um, film photography. I had a bigger camera, but it was really cumbersome and difficult to to focus, as you say. And, you know, there were a few things that just weren't convenient. So having a point-and-shoot, keeping it in my bag, and then leaning on the convenience of digital photography and being able to manipulate, you know, photographs in various apps on my laptop or on my phone that that's been that's been something that's been really fun for me but the bigger cameras tend to be a little cumbersome yeah and the photography so the photography became the launching pad to break back into painting so are you working when you paint are you working off of photos that you had done is that the source material well um it's uh, it, it depends it depends on the on the piece um 
In reality, it was my seven-year-old daughter that got me back into painting again. And it was a great way for me and her to connect with each other and just, you know, just start painting. And the two of us would go to that mindless place where you're in the moment and you're just, you're just painting. So, so that, I think she was really the inspiration behind that. Uh, the photography, that is um, another way to go. Some, sometimes I'll do just photograph. Other times it'll be photograph and mixed media, you know, using paint and different mediums over the top of uh, photographs. And then more often than not, like the new piece that I just did of uh, Steve Clark, um, I've got this, uh, this, this new series that I'm doing called Legends. And I did this full paint of, uh, of Steve Clark. And uh, that's really the direction I really want to go. Mm. You know, just learning more and more. I have my own art teacher, and more and more, I, I, you know, I learn about different techniques. And this is this is the direction that I really like to go. I'll sh- I'll show it to you. So, later. so this is uh, this was an existing photo of Steve. That it was you- an existing photo of Steve, and then what I did, I studied the photograph, and then did pencil sketch, uh, outlined, and then figured out how I would shade it to create. Uh, this beautiful, this beautiful piece of of Steve. Steve, Steve, still, still, you know, I, how many years is it that Steve's been gone now? Well, uh, the anniversary of him leaving us was um, um, on the eighth, the eighth of, uh, what of year January, nineteen ninety one. So ninety one. Wow. He so was, we're, he was thirty. So we're twenty seven years. Steve has been gone. Yeah. But you know, to the credit of you guys, you have always been, even in interviews, and even now you're doing a painting of, I mean, what, clearly, you guys still miss him. Clearly, you still think about him. Clearly, his, uh, what he brought to Def Leppard still very much kind of looms, doesn't it? I kind of get that sense that you want to keep that memory out there. Well, it's impossible to to forget about him because he was such a a lovely guy, you know? I spent such a lot of time around him. And he was always so encouraging, um, you know, from the very moment I joined the band, he was always the guy going, try this beat, play this, play that. And, it, it, you know, he'd be playing playing a, a guitar riff to it and it, always trying to pull me in, you know, always in, trying to involve me in the creative process. And um, Which is not something that a lot of uh, guitar players would necessarily do with drummers or any, you know, that's oh, the drummer, let him back there, keep the beat, you know what I'm saying? But it, no, exactly. Yeah, I, yeah. He, he was, he was really, he was, he loved that. Um, and I could tell, you know, uh, his love for uh, Zeppelin and Jimmy Page and just the, the, the relationship that Jimmy Page and, and Bonham had. And, and I'm sure he, you know, he, he wanted, he wanted that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I, I got the sense. Anyway, just a beautiful guy and um a nice story about the artwork um so after i'd finished this piece um i um i took a picture of it and sent it to my mother and my mother took it to steve's family and uh she said as soon as she showed it to to his mum, you know there was a tear rolling down her cheek and um so it really captured something. Yeah, you know that's beautiful, man. You can see Rick's art if you are listening uh, and you're in the area of New Jersey. Uh, uh, Rick, I'm sorry, you could see Rick's sorry. art and the and 
I'm Steve, this photo or this painting you're talking about of Steve is it on, will it be it's, on display it, at the it's, gallery? It's on display now. I wanted to get it finished before before the eighth. Okay. So it'll it'll be there, and uh, you know if if it uh, if if nobody if nobody snags it, then it'll you know it'll, it'll still probably, be there. <laughs> it, 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 it'll follow me to King of Prussia. Okay. And then if nobody snags it, then then it's you know I'm probably going to take it home. <laughs> can people go online and buy your stuff as well? Is there um, a website? You know what. I think a well-placed phone call. Um, Wentworth, their their head office is down in uh, Miami, okay. so uh, I, I can get I can get a number. Okay. But I but I think that's the that's the best thing to do is is get is get somebody on the phone from Wentworth and, and ask them questions about it. And I'm sure they have an online site which shows some of the work as well. Well, you so. can go to rickallen.com. You can also go to wentworthgallery.com. Um, and and that will allow you to you know to see what's available. Yeah, like I said, they do a lot of nice work there. I go to the one in at the store you're going to be at tomorrow a, a few few times. I know uh, I, I went to Michael Cardelloni, who plays yeah. in Leonard Skinner. Yeah. He did a show there. Paul Stanley did a show there. There's been three or four. It seems like they're very um, into having rock musicians who also paint and display their work. They seem to have a great relationship there. It's cool. I, yeah. I like it. And I've, I've talked to Paul about it. And, uh, you know, his his work's great also. And, um, you know, I, I just, I love the association. You know, I never, I never saw myself as being able to, you know, get involved with something like this. But uh, Wentworth Gallery have been great. They, yeah. they've, they've really, you know, embraced me. It's great. Uh, we're going to take some calls for Rick Allen, and we'll get uh, we'll get some people on the air for your Def Leppard questions in a second. Before we do that, though, and before we go to the phones, I do want to bring up one thing that I thought was amazing that Joe Elliott said recently. And does, does it involve uh, uh, naked people? No, it involves oh, you. Good. <laughs> but Joe, you know, and I'm going to be before Joe said this. To be honest with you, I said it, and I've got the tape to prove it on the air a couple of times. I don't think sometimes. Def Leppard get enough credit for how they stood by you mm-hmm. when you had your accident. And Joe had a recent quote recently about the ACDC situation, which I'm sure you heard that kind of made some news about saying, hey, you know, and I said this myself right after the ACDC thing happened. Mm-hmm. I was on the air and I said, wait a minute, a hearing issue and he's gone already? Like, this is a guy that gave you 32 years of back in black. Mm. And I remember, Rick, I said this on the air. I go, for God's sakes, Def Leppard had a drummer that lost an arm right. and they stuck with him. Right. And he's still in the band. How do you... So talk a little bit about your thoughts about that, about, well, Joe referencing that recently, but even at the time of the accident, which was what, 84? Yeah. Was there any any fiber in your mind recovering from that? That hey, I'm I could still be the drummer in Def Leppard for the next. Here we are, thirty some odd years. Well, when it when it first came round, uh, it was horrible, and I thought it was all over. And just the 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 amazing love and encouragement that I got from my family, and um, and really the guys in the band as well, and then just hundreds of thousands of letters from all over the the world. Um, it was classy because they never once put pressure on me to make a decision whether I wanted to do this or not. It was like, well, come on, and you know, time's up. What are, what are you going to do? Nobody ever gave me that ultimatum. And I think that was the part of it that really drew me back in because it was on my terms. Right. They, they, they allowed me to just, you know, just kind of 
integrate what had just happened to me, which was pretty major, yeah, you know, and then, sure. and, and then and then really um, make the decision myself whether this was something that I really wanted to do or not. And, um, you know, with all that encouragement, with, like I said, family, guys, you know, people reaching out from all over the world, and then discovering the power of the human spirit, that was really what propel me it was it was that blend of things that really gave me you know gave me the courage to 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 want to do this again and this kind of ties into your painting too because is there not a some sort of charitable component something you do with veterans or people who have had post-traumatic stress disorder there's a there's a tie in here right there is there is a good portion of uh, of the uh, the proceeds from the art uh, go to uh, veterans programs and uh, I think that is a really important uh, component for me. Um, you know, I brought all my sort of my experience to the table, you know, uh, meditation, breathing, diet, um, you know, equine assisted therapy, you name it. I've, I've tried I've tried everything, you know, spent a bunch of time down in India sitting in an ashram. Um, and then I brought that to some of our warriors and my experiences started to help them and then I realized that they were speaking the same language as me in terms of PTSD and it's great that I can share ways of coping with PTSD with them even though it's not combat related right but Uh, it's still a traumatic it's a very traumatic yeah Yeah. and uh, you know it's like I always say we're all traumatized just some of us more than others and uh, this is this is a great way for me to uh to help myself and then help others and just make that sort of a two-way street where we can share ideas and uh, help each other to cope with PTSD. And again, we're going to take calls for Rick in a second here, but I was curious about this as well. When you first started to play with one arm Mm -hmm. and develop the kit that you played and the electronics and the way you use your feet and everything like that, that was over 30 years ago. Yeah. So much has changed in technology and electronics and inv- advancements in computers and things like that. I've never heard you talk about this, but how, how much has been able to change in what you're integrating in your playing because of those advancements in technology? In other words, I imagine the systems that you were using back in 86, 87, when you're figuring this out, mm-hmm. what you're playing and what you're able to do now is probably very different, right? Um, it was actually a friend of mine, uh, Peter Hartley. Um, electronics guy in Sheffield and he came to visit me in hospital and he said I can get you playing and he developed these uh, foot pedals and because uh, he saw me tapping on the foam at the bottom of the bed you know just tapping along to to music and um, he realized that uh, you know using my feet was 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 the way to go um, but you know that first that first setup was was all custom and then, fortunately, uh, Simmons drums—they—they, they, you know—they were available. So I was able to hook my pedals up to to their electronics. And all throughout the history of sort of the the evolution of this drum kit, the mechanical side of it hasn't really changed. Really, you know, the the actual pedals. Right. Yeah, the, the the pedals have changed um, a little bit, but but it's the same principle. You know, it's, you know, 
piezo crystals and piezo crystals creating you know voltages that that trigger sounds so really it's the it's the software side of things that's really uh broadened my horizon you know now i can i can basically use my you know my laptop and i can have the entire drum kit all programmed into the into the laptop and hook it up to my pedals and play exactly the same way that I would with something that would take up, you know, half of the living room. Yeah, yeah. You know. Are there things that uh, are there things when you play live? Are there are there points of I don't know, do you still have these moments of like sort of frustration of things you wish you could kind of do that you're feeling like you want to do that you maybe you have to kind of go in another direction that as a as a creative musician you wish you you know, you know, you know what I'm saying. Like I do, I, wish, I do. Oh my God, I, wish I, I do. Could just hit that crash over there with this arm. No, you're right. But there's, you know, there's always a, a new way to figure out old things. Um, so I'm always trying to, you know, I'm constantly learning. I always say, you know, I'm a work in progress. Uh, but I'm constantly trying to figure out uh, new ways to do old things. And it, it's interesting, especially when I go back to playing some of the older songs, like the Dead Flatbird stuff, when we did all oh, that I stuff. Loved that, was, that was that was, <laughs> But that was really challenging to Yeah, me, I bet. You know? Um, but where there's a will, there's a way. And uh, I managed to figure all that stuff out. And, um, you know, it's, it's, really, it's really just keep playing, just keep practicing. I want another Dead Flatbird show. I tell Joe that all the time. It's great. Eh? I love Joe. Joe actually, because he knows I love that early stuff. He said you should have seen that one. And there's well, there's the uh, recording of it in as the bonus disc in that's that set, exactly yeah. which I have in my iPod. I, I I listen to that all the time. But for people that don't know, when you did the Vegas residency, Def Leppard were their own opening act. That's right, Def Leppard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, there were people in the audience that didn't think it was us. Really, we were getting booed by some people. <laughs> But, you know, I think the diehards went, oh, okay, it's them. And I remember Viv or Phil told me that there was even songs that Joe was pulling out that he they didn't know. They no, were, it was great. Good Morning or... Good Morning Freedom. Yeah. yeah. Like, Phil was like, I didn't even know what the hell this was. <laughs> like, what the no, hell? that was before his time. No, fortunately, I was in the band at that time. So I figured out a way to do it, you know, and it was it was great. It was fun. You guys, would you guys want to do another residency like that again? Did you have fun? Um it was great to stay in one place and have people come to us, um, you know, and sleeping in a decent bed, nice hotel room. You know, it was good. Uh, Forty-five minutes from home, you know, on a on a flight. It was it was it was great. I'd do it again, but uh, things have really stepped up. You know, people want to see this band. Oh, you guys are out every summer, and uh, I know you know we can't quite talk about it yet, but you've got some stuff cooking coming up again. And- no, I'm actually going on vacation. I haven't got that man- memo yet. <laughs> You haven't? Uh, okay. I'm going to go paint. <laughs> Suffice it to say, Def Leppard summer touring has become a ritual, at least here in America. And I'm sure that ritual will continue with some information coming down the pike soon. I'm not going to jump any guns like I did on the last oh, me tour. Neither. So I'm not saying anything about anything. But And let me add, speaking of touring, because everybody does touring in so many different ways now. We have all these different things. I was the host of the first and i'm assuming last def leopard cruise uh did you have fun on that cruise i mean i uh, with all he i think people painted uh listen some tragedy took place oh, with absolutely. jimmy dying of course and, and joe not able to with his vocal issues but out of it i thought came 
I mean, I thought it was still, most of the people really had a good time. I had a really nice time, and I got to meet people under circumstances that I wouldn't normally, um, you know. It, you it, had your artwork on there, that, that, that was That was fantastic. So yeah. I, got, I got to meet some incredible Def Leppard fans that were just so behind me, and, and I think everybody understood. They all understood that this isn't ideal, you know, this is, this is really kind of, kind of screwed up you know some of the things that that have happened on the on the cruise but i think ultimately i i actually ended up having a really good time and i'm actually going to go on another cruise soon so are you really yeah okay i'm going to go out with tesla i think that's the monsters of rock well, well oh, so yeah monster i was just with frank hannon last week yeah, so you're so going to be on the monsters of rock cruise i'm going to be on the cruise yeah I'll see you on there because yeah. I host that one as well. Fantastic. That's great. So are you going to play with Frank? Um, I may do. Or with um, Tesla? I may do. Um, I'm, I'm probably I'm probably just going to be on there, you know, selling artwork. Uh, nice. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be doing this show on there. So come sit in with me again. Fantastic. That'll be great. Right. But but uh, you guys have had a great sort of rekindling Tesla and Def Leppard. They've been out on the last few tours. I know Phil produced and wrote their their new record. Frank was just telling me with them. Yeah. yeah that's so right. it's been that's right. and I know you go way back to hysteria. 1987. Yeah. I mean, in in reality, they were the first band to play in the round. Because, because they, they were the opening band. Right. You know? So they were the first band to actually get out there in amongst the people. I mean, we, we obviously played on it in rehearsals. But uh, lovely bunch of guys. Last thing for me before we take a few calls and I'll let you get out of here. Do, do you, uh, people like myself and other fans of the band, we get aggravated because of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And Def Leppard. Oh, I don't. Does it bother you at all? No, I think. If if the fans put us on a pedestal, that's good enough for me. Right. You know, I don't I don't need a, a, a board of directors or whatever to decide. You know, whether whether I should be up there or not. I honestly think, and I mean that with all sincerity. It's like it's like our fans have proved to us, they've shown to us over the years, time and time again, that they are so behind this band, and and that to me is that's all that matters. Yeah, and I think I think though for the fans. They want that validation for the band that they love being in there. I I often think the whole Rock and Roll Hall of Fame thing, I think that it's way more about the fans and the passion they have for the band and them wanting that validation than the artists themselves. Uh, uh, Yeah, I agree. agree. And I think there is a certain amount of time lag and, you know, depending on who's on 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 the board, you know, deciding, you know, who goes through or not, you know, it... We don't know the circumstances. We don't know the inner workings of of of, of how they right. how they come to certain decisions. Right. And I, I don't want to assume anything, you know. Right. All right. I promised you guys calls and uh, and for Rick Allen, and we'll do that right now. Let's start with Cody, who's in Texas. Hi, Cody. Eddie. Good afternoon, Rick. It is a true pleasure to talk to you, sir. Uh, I was a strapping eighth grader back in the summer of 1980. And we, my, some buddies of mine and I went to the summit in Houston and saw Ted Nugent, Scorpions, and a band I'd never heard of called Def Leppard. Yay. And you guys left uh, just an absolutely 
incredible, you know, kind of uh, taste in my mouth. And the next day, I picked up on through the night. And your your interviewer there across the table, he's big on lists. I'll tell you that if I was to do a list of my top 20 albums of all time, On Through the Night and High and Dry would both be on there. So thank you for many decades of wonderful music. You know what? I, I appreciate you saying that. And it's that age of discovery. You know, that first record you discover, that one sticks. So I really appreciate you saying that. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, well, man. a guy like Cody and myself, I mean, I literally, I can honestly say I was there day one album one and got on through the night when it came out and then into high and dry and into pyromania so that's you know that's the sacred stuff as you're a fan we talked about that earlier you remember getting that record and opening it up and whatever came out of the sleeve when you cut the side i mean that that was the that was magic i think unfortunately hopefully we're getting back to a little bit of that i hope so but uh that's a big part of it chris in california go ahead chris you're on with rick gallon hey rick how you doing i'm great thank you i actually met you in November of 1987, I it was at the L.A. Arena with Tesla. I'd gotten backstage because your stage manager actually thought I was with security, and he said, hey, you can go back there and get a couple of drinks. I'm like, okay. So I walked back down there and kind of hit out. I got to watch the sound check. After the sound check, you know, you, you kind of walked out into the audience area, and you're talking to somebody, and I'd actually got a tour booklet, and you took the time to actually talk to me, answer questions, sign my tour booklet, to put it in perspective, I walk up to Frank Hannon that same day, and he just gave me a dirty look and walked away. So I wanted to thank you that that left a memorable impression in me for 30 years later. No, so well, I just wanted my, to thank you for that moment. That's cool. But my tour manager came up to me and he said, I think that guy's with security. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, of course. Hey, Chris. Hey, and listen, I'm not, I wasn't there, so I can't, I, but I got to step up for my friend Frank because Frank is a wonderful guy. He you is. may have caught him at a bad moment. Back in those days, the Tesla guys were hitting it pretty hard, if you know what I mean, yeah, they'll yeah. be the first to tell you. Yeah, so yeah. maybe it wasn't the best moment everybody has their bad moments but frank is a sweetheart of a guy most of the time that's a cool story though thank you <laughs> let's talk to phil in jersey go ahead phil hey rick hey eddie hey, long time fans of both of you guys cool thank you. uh rick i had a question uh when your accident happened back in the uh mid 80s or early 80s the electronics were just coming into the music scene and it was starting to get popular yeah um, how do you think you would have uh, done had that not happened and we were just still hitting acoustic hits? I think I would have been playing acoustic drums. And, you know, it, it's it, it's like I said before, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. And, you know, it, it, it was sort of necessity. It was more necessity, you know, but it was path of least resistance. It was like, oh, foot pedals of work, you know, and we have electronics. I'm sure if there weren't electronics, I would have, I would have just made acoustic drums work. And actually, to this day, I still, I still play acoustic drums because that, that was the first thing that ignited my passion for playing. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not leaving acoustic drums behind. That's for sure. Cool. All right, thanks, I'll Phil. see you tomorrow at the gallery. Cool, man. Thanks. There you go. Cool. Uh, you mentioned earlier that. Ian Pace was your guy as far as rock drummers. And mm-hmm. Ian Pace is a big po- – he's known for the pocket, you yeah. know. You were ne- – so it doesn't sound like – which actually serves you well with the way you're playing now. And you, you were forced to, to play with the electronics. You were never a guy v- into very busy people, I'm assuming. The, the, were you into, like, the Neil Peart's of the world? Or were you always more of the pocket guy? More of the pocket was like that big band thing. It yeah. was um, it was the ACDC thing. It was um, – and Queen as well. I mean, all those 70s bands just really really you know i loved it yeah. i loved that whole thing slade sweet you know and some of it was a little bit busy um 
And I think Joe's mentioned this. He thinks I was a better drummer after I lost my arm because I wasn't as busy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What a horrible way to get a no, drummer less busy. But... <laughs> no, it's a bit drastic. <laughs> oh, don't give other people in other bands no, ideas. I know, I know, I know. I know <laughs> Have I know. you ever heard of anybody else besides yourself that plays drums with one arm? Has anybody implemented what you've done? Have you ever heard of an instance? Uh, there's a guy in Holland called One Armed. And, uh, that's the name he goes by. Yeah, uh, I think that, that that's that's his handle. <laughs> but uh, I I give him encouragement any any time I can. You know, whenever I see him up on on Twitter, I'm I'm always uh, I'm always giving him encouragement. And he's such a sweet guy. Yeah, and so much passion. And anybody anybody that could do this, it really isn't the easiest thing. You know, it's I mean it's like anything. You know, if you practice, you keep playing, then it becomes it becomes normal. You know, absolutely. So it obviously, became normal for him, but he's great. Well, and well, now after all these years with you, it's not even any anything anybody even talks about anymore because it's just everybody knows, and you're so good at it, and it, the band sounds great, and it's it's really a, a non factor. No, it's I, great. Like, it's early great. on, it was. I was at the show at Download the first time you played right. Download. Oh, cool. Well, probably seven, eight years ago, I remember, yeah. and it was a very emotional, heavy moment when the guys introduced very, you very. to the download audience. I mean, yeah. I'm sure you, you know that was a heavy moment for you too. Yeah, it was. Well, when we did it back in, I think it was was '85 when we took the break from Hysteria, the very first time we right. did download. Yeah, this uh, would have been around '09. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah, but the very first time we did it, that was extremely emotional. Yeah, uh, yeah. Let's talk to uh, Tom, who's in Ohio. Tom, you're on with Rick Allen. Mr. Rick, how you doing? <laughs> That's a great accent, man. <laughs> Doesn't sound like Ohio, but it sounds like <laughs> an accent. <laughs> oh, I live in Ohio all my life. I see Rick Allen in the summertime. Fantastic. I enjoy spending time with him. Where do you see him? At the market or do you go to the show? What are you talking about you see him? Where do you see him? I see him backstage usually. Oh, okay. So do you have a, do you have a question, Tom? Yeah, I've just wanted to. Well, the main thing I just want to compliment him on that job he did of uh, Steve. Oh, cool! The painting. Is, yes, I think that is awesome. Cool. If I man. had enough money, I'd buy it off of you. You know what? That's that's very kind of you. I really appreciate you saying that. Well, that's the truth. It's yeah. a, it's a, it's a great picture. Cool, man. Thank you. It really is. Thank you, thank you, Tom, for the call. We're, we're short on time, so I just want to get as many people in as we can. Let's hi, say hi to Dina, who's listening in California. Hi, Dina. Hi. Yay, I got on. Hi, Dina. Um, hi. I wanted to say I love Eddie so much. You are oh, just it. So I get excited Me? every day to hear you. Me? Yes. Oh, well, that's very yes. kind of you. That's very nice of you to say. But Rick Allen's sitting here, for God's sakes. But thank you, Dina. Oh. Very sweet of you no, to say. I, oh. Oh, yes. And I hope to see you at NAMM. Now, Rick, oh, my gosh. Um, Def Leppard, I grew up with you guys. I, You're one of my favorite bands. I see you every time you're in San Diego, and I just love your band so, so, so much. That's that's really cool. I I love that venue down there. It's fantastic, that lovely open-air venue you have in San Diego. Thank you. I love it, too. Okay, here's my question. Um... I I think you started when you were 16 with Death Leopard. Is that I, right? I was actually, uh, it was round about my uh, 15th birthday, believe it or not. Wow. Yeah, I know. Well, I have a son. I have a son who is, um, he's 16, and he's been drumming since he was four. And 
he's in a band and they were talking about touring and I got real nervous about that at age 16 and I thought I would ask how it was for you when you were so young and how were your parents about you being in a band and what when did you start to tour um it's a good question um I started to tour you know basically from the moment I got with Def Leppard but I was very fortunate because my brother uh, was the sound engineer and the tour manager at the time my older brother so he for was Leopard? Like, yeah. Oh, wow. So he was he was like four, nearly five years older than me. So I was very fortunate that, or my mother was fortunate that she knew that my brother was out there looking out for me and 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 taking care of me. Didn't always go that way. We got into a lot of trouble. But no, I shouldn't be telling you that. <laughs> There's a statute of limitations at this point. I think Dina Rick has got to go, so I got to let you go. But thank you for the kind words. I appreciate you listening. Okay, thank you. Thank All right, bye bye. Thank you. I'd love to take more calls, and I'm sorry to the people I didn't get to. Frank in Illinois has been there for an, almost an hour and a half waiting, no and I, I hope this is about Frank. Real quick, go ahead because you've been waiting forever. I guess he's been waiting so long he's gone. Aww. Sorry about that, Frank. No, he's making a cup of tea. Yeah. <laughs> Go see Rick Allen again tomorrow, Short Hills Mall, 5 to 8 on Sunday, King of Prussia Mall. And that's uh, both are at the Wentworth Gallery on Sunday. It's from 1 to 4. And see his art, say hello, and, uh, and check out his paintings as well. It's great to see you, man. Uh, come back anytime. Well, we'll do this on the ship. That'd be great. Monsters of Rock. Sit and be my co-host, man. Pencil me in. Yeah, you can sit and be my wingman. You can interview everybody with me the whole time. Frank Hannon just did it on the last cruise. We were just on the Moody Blues cruise, so he sat in with me the whole time. So uh, you'll you'll see. uh, And Steve Harris is on the cruise. Oh, fantastic. From Iron Maiden. He's doing his solo band. So we'll have a whole... A uh, new wave of British heavy metal reunion. That's it. We'll put a new band together. (laughs) All right. Great to see you, Rick. Thank you very much. See you. Well, my thanks to Rick Allen of Def Leppard. Check out his artwork and get ready for another big announcement for Def Leppard going out on yet another big summer tour. will be announced very, very soon. And uh, really great to talk to Rick about some of his early years and some of those great stories in there as well. Appreciate him taking the time out of his schedule to join us and certainly get into some revealing conversation. See you guys next Thursday for another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, which is produced by Katie Irizarry. It is free and available every Thursday for new episodes of PodcastOne.com or on iTunes. Don't forget, if you're shopping on Amazon, Amazon.com slash shop slash Eddie Trunk is where you should start all your shopping. See some items that I've picked for my Amazon storefront. And from there, go on to any other part of the site. But always start at Amazon.com slash shop slash Eddie Trunk. Also, be sure to follow on social media at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. EddieTrunk.com is the website. And as I mentioned, if you're a listener to the SiriusXM Volume Show, you're listening to this podcast on post day. Tomorrow, January 19th, I'll be broadcasting live from the Atlanta Kiss Expo on my show on volume. The, the incredibly reclusive Vinnie Vincent We'll be breaking his silence, and we'll be my guest. You do not want to miss that big interview. Have a great week, everybody, and I'll see you again next Thursday.
Podcast One has new shows on our new app. Check out all the cool features to help you explore our exciting new programming, like America's Lakers Podcast with Jay Moore, So Random with Corinne Olympios, Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's Podcast, Not Just Sports with Susie Schuster and Rich Eisen, and Sessions with Randy Jackson, as well as your old favorites like The Lady Gang, Steve Austin, Shaquille O'Neal, and Adam Carolla. Get the new Podcast One app in the App Store, Google Play, or PodcastOne.com.